Hello, everyone, and welcome to another American Scouser podcast. I am your host, as always, from Chicago, and with me today, our regular crew. I would used to be our fantasy expert. Now, he's just a guy who plays fantasy. Gally is with us. Gally, what's happening, man? It's always good to be number two in your own household. <laughs> I bet it is. I bet it is. Something to get used to for you. Um, and with us today, hunting people out of his window in his camo outfit is Paul Bickler. Bickler, what's going on? How many neighbors did you get so far? Happy Halloween, hangover suckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know Halloween hangover here. I spent actually majority of Halloween uh, replacing the trim on the garage door till I got pretty much stuck. I needed a hand, but good times were had by all. Uh, and then finally, it was actually almost nice to have some kids coming on trick-or-treating. But trick-or-treats, and this is my treat for every episode of our podcast, is the trivia section. I know you guys love it. At least the listeners like it. I don't care if you two like it. Uh, I know I like it. So here we go. This week's trivia, and I actually stumbled uh, on this, so I figured I would ask you guys if you guys have it. Um, and I did not know, actually, Liverpool was the first one for this in terms of having a shirt sponsor on their kits. Who was and when was our first shirt sponsor on our jerseys. What? It's a gem oh, of a trivia, people. Gem what? of a trivia. I was pretty, I found this and I was like, damn, this is good. Uh, here's one nobody's going to get. Wants. Do you have an answer? I, I mean, I'm glad I brought all these extra beers for this because, I mean, it's going to taste so much sweeter when I get it right. Uh, dude, I don't know. Like, <laughs> shirt sponsor? I mean, that sounds like something that oh, I don't even know, man. Like I want to—I'll say '60s, 1964. I don't know who it is. No idea. Two terrible guesses in one. <laughs> well, I mean, I value for money and trivia. You know that. So as the listeners are like kind of like joining, our viewers are increasing. The trivia is our first shirt sponsor, which, like I say, I did not know Liverpool was the first club who had a sponsor on their jerseys. Who was it and when was it, Scally? I have no idea. Man. And I feel like you didn't explain trivia very well to the listeners. Trivia is really our first opportunity to feel really shitty about this podcast every week. It's basically basically a telltale sign to how awful the podcast is going to be. And your trivia is usually what sets us off to the mediocre podcast that we perform. (laughs) So we not only blame you as the host, but as the person who comes up with the trivia, I'm just going to throw out there, like, like I'm going to go later because I can't – I'm trying to envision a kit from the 80s with a sponsor on it or the 70s, and I don't know that I see it. It still just seems red, and Dad Leash just had a number, not even the name. I'm going to go, like, 84 and some random beer company. Yeah, Hitachi sounds familiar. Cosgrove, like I thought that was United though. But anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna let this uh, simmer a little bit more as we get. Oh, over, good. Yes, we'll kind of go through it because you know Please. you guys think this is like the worst case and the mediocre way of starting it. I see it as it kind of establishes the fact that I have information. I know what I'm talking about, and you guys don't know. So we'll go from there. We we'll set the basis for that. So we'll move on to the next one. Speaking of. People who know what they're doing. While we have Galley down, let's keep kicking him, Bickler. So, fantasy football, a quick update for it. As you guys know, Bickler and I actually, we're Bickler and I in a battle, and Bickler has taken the lead because I have already started to forget uh, changing my lineups as I did this week. No, uh, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't start blaming it on the fact that you're not setting your lineup. Come on uh, now. And I am at 48th now, five points behind Bickler, who has taken the lead after my dismal 26 points. I think I could have just like not started anybody and gotten probably 26 points. But with 61 points this week, and more importantly, a lot more than what Galley has, is Kelly Galwin. I even prepared. I, I will even remove our logo for this in honor of this. So that the fan, everybody can see it. A total of 694, 61 points this week. 
and number one way ahead. While I do some quick math, Bickler, to see how many points ahead Kelly is on Galley, what do you say to this? I mean, I think it's just really interesting what we get motivated to do graphics for on this now. <laughs> like, uh, like, this Pretty is how clear. we allocate our time. Pretty clear. Which, I mean, I'm here for it. I mean, what was the question? How many points? What am I supposed to think about this? I love this. Uh, is yeah, that the question? Yeah. yeah, who wouldn't? But how much do you love it? I was wondering if you can put it even into words. I mean, I think we started at the beginning of the season as big fans of Kelly's team, right? I mean, for obvious reasons. And it's just – it's like that time when I placed the bet at the end of the season whether we'd make the top four or not. Um, it's uh, it, is, it has gone swimmingly so far. 55 point difference. I, I remember last podcast when we talked, our regular listeners know we were asking you, Gally, how the heck would you come back from 29 points down? Well, I have a new question for you this week. How the hell are you going to come back from 55 points down? I'm going to use my coach speak and tell you it's a long season. We <laughs> take a look at one match at a time. Uh, it's just one game week. Uh, no, seriously, she made a good move. Like I wild carded earlier in the year after telling Paul not to do it, and then I got nervous, and I wild carded my team, and it was the wrong time, and it didn't work, and she did it, and uh, moved up like three hundred thousand spots, and she's like fifteen thousand in the whole world right now, which is kind of ridiculous because I don't even know that she knows what that means. Because um, is Kelly sure like is she strutting enough. around right now? Like is she in a, she is she is there a little arrogance in the house right now? There's definitely some arrogance. Actually, twice uh, yesterday, she asked me how her team was doing, and I had to remind her twice she didn't have any players remaining this week that all of them had played on Saturday. And she still kept asking me, but how am I doing compared to you? And I was like, oh, yeah, just great. I, mean, I love this. Yeah, I do. David Cosgrove says she's pretty much qualified to take the Everton manager's job, but we would not want to do that to Kelly, first of all. She definitely but. sets up a better defense than Benitez <laughs> But I'll tell you what, this is why we don't do these kinds of things in the household with the wifey, because I would try to find the ways to bring up the number 55 as many ways as possible throughout the week. And I know she would, too. Well, she wouldn't, actually, to be honest with you. She doesn't rub it, and I ex I'm an expert in rubbing things in. Speaking of, here you go. She's number one, 61 points, rubbed in. I'll bring it in, bring it up so we can talk her. about it. I can't wait till I chase her down. I'm sitting first, and we don't talk about fantasy for a month straight on the podcast. <laughs> hey, just remember, Gally, you can only beat what's in front of you. <laughs> so now that we had our fun, at least I had my fun with trivia and fantasy. Let's get to our boys. Uh, let's start with the game on Sunday. I don't know how much we'll get into the game of Preston, to be honest with you, because I do want to talk about like the uh, the Champions League game and the West Ham games coming up. So uh, let's talk about the weekend real quick. Uh, honestly, normally a game where we were up 2-0 and we tied 2-2, we would consider it probably two points lost. But I have to say it's uh, after watching that second half and pretty much last, I would say, maybe like 60 minutes or so, it almost felt like one point gain because we definitely did get outplayed. Uh, what do you make of it, Galley? It was it was there. We had it. And honestly, maybe that third goal doesn't get overturned, which was a handball. I think Mane instantly knew it's the moment it happened. Uh, things could have been different, but... Really looking at the play on the field, it felt like Brighton more than deserved the point. Yeah, they came to Anfield set up to actually attack and did exactly what they planned to do outside of the first eight minutes where we kind of ran roughshod on them. I mean, let's put aside the amazing uh, diagonal that Virgil played to mow the touch, finding Hendo and the little deft touch into the net. And we're up one nothing, and it just feels so good, right? And then, of course, you have the Keda injury. That's frustrating in itself, you know, the conundrum that is Navi Keda. And then you get the second goal on the Mane header, and I'm feeling good. But you're right. It was it kind of was fool's gold because the first five minutes of the game, they had two massive chances. Um, one, uh, Kanate played, I think it was um, I think it was Trossard on side, and then Sully March made a run down the side and, and smashed one in. 
and Allison had to go sharp down to his left. And then you have the Basuma just take the ball off of Jones, cut through the midfield, and Allison pushes that off the post. And, you know, I, I think the game could have easily been 2-2 two to two when we were up 2 nothing and felt like we were flying. So I never really felt good about it. And they just got worse and worse as the match went on. And I, I know Paul's going to talk about some of the players we, we were kind of ranting about together. So I'll let him take a few shots at the next few. Yeah, it was one of those games where I couldn't kick back as much, even though we were up 2-0. So was not as active on our like live fan chats on Discord. But I know, yeah, overall the sentiments were pretty much common, I would think. But Bickler, what do you make of it? I mean, we went into this game nervous about a midfield with Nabby and Jones starting together anyway, right? I mean, that's that's that midfield doesn't make any of us comfortable in general. And then you got Nabby out and you put Ox in, and that kind of compounds the issue, right? I mean, I think that's a, even a step down defensively from Nabby. And so, like, I, I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that game went the way it did. I think we have a tendency as supporters to want to point the finger at our own guys. And I think we could do that. I think there's plenty of that to be done in this match. But I also think that Brighton's a better team than most people have really recognized for over a year now. Like they they played – they lost a lot of matches in really unfortunate ways last year. They were close in a lot of games. Um, I think that their, like their point standing was a lot lower than their actual performance last year. Uh, in a similar vein to West Ham's played, you know, extremely well for over a year now. So I think we got to kind of tip the cap. Brighton's a good team. Brighton's going to cause a lot mm-hmm. of problems for people. And they're right up there. They're a good squad. I mean, they're managed well. They've got some talent on that team. So I think we need to recognize that. And then, I mean, just realistically, we should know from what happened last year when we started moving our best midfielders into the back line. It doesn't matter who we have in the back line. Our midfield is the nucleus and the catalyst for that entire system. Um, and when we have three midfielders and that are not well-rounded, that imbalance is fell across the board. And I think that's what we saw. Yeah, let's talk about that midfield. I mean, I feel, I mean, in terms of Keita, for example, I think he's ideal to play against teams like Brighton who want to build the play up uh, as opposed to playing against a team like Burnley who's just going to try to, you know, play long balls and hope they get it and otherwise sit back because I think his counter-pressing is a lot more active. So, so he goes out. And like Bickler said, we were already semi-worried about having Jones and Kate on the field at the same time. Ox comes in, just a great ball to get that assist. And my reaction was, and, you know, Angie's a huge fan of Ox as well. And I was like, you know, this is a good opportunity for Ox. Maybe, you know, this will get him going. It was like a beautiful assist. And, you know, he's going over there. I'm like, okay, maybe this will be helping him. But then we kind of saw the sad truth that it, the midfield came down to just Hendo and he was already playing pretty much out of position despite having played there a long time as out of position. He was still playing out of position as like a defensive midfielder and we kind of got ran over in midfield. So with these injuries, that's probably the biggest concern. I know Fabinho uh, practiced today with the team as well as Thiago, now with hair, actually. We shared it on our Instagram account as well. Uh, concern about that midfield uh, for the long haul, especially with these injuries and the fact that we have some players who have a tendency to keep getting injured, Gally? As long as Thiago's hair doesn't get in his eyes, I'm not worried about anything. I would hate for the cameramen and women out there to lose that great visual after he gets a card and he does the who not me. Um just seeing Tiago on the pitch will be a, a welcome sight, seeing to the fact that he's missed more days since he's been he's been inactive and unavailable to play more days than he's been available since signing his contract last August. And you know what the scary part is? That was the same situation he was for his last four years at Bayern Munich and his last two years at Barcelona. So outside of two healthy years at Bayern, He's basically missed more time than he's played his entire professional career. And as beautiful as he is when he's on the pitch, it doesn't help us if he's not fit. And and this is my problem with Kata too. You know, the Kata thing is you cannot help the club 
from the physio table, you know? You just can't. So we can't even, like, think about him anymore. He's almost like a just a, a completely – it's it's a gone piece until he and Kata can prove that they can play a run of three to five to seven games in a two-month period. I just don't think you can rely on either of them as a big piece. So I think that leaves us with a real problem at midfield because Ox is not stepping up. And I'm not sure that Jones is ready to play as many minutes as would as would require because he, for me, was the worst player on the pitch. Um, Robo dropped off again, had a few times where he was letting guys play on side, including that second goal. Uh, I went back and watched it today. He literally is in the six-yard box, and there are two Brighton defenders or two Brighton attackers in between him and Van Dyke. And Van Dyke is just looking at him like, what are you doing there? as the balls played by Lalana to Trossard. So Robo's really got to get mentally back in with it. But if Jones is going to play the minutes, he's going to have to figure out how to do the job on the left-hand side defensively because he just leaves them wide open. And that's where Basuma just had his way with the midfield. And Henderson's not Fabinho. So, you know, better hope Fab can play on Wednesday. So that's – since you brought up Wednesday, let's talk about Wednesday – and, you know, who we should have on the field. I mean, you look at, like, the standings right now. We look pretty darn comfortable. And I realize it can change, you know, if we lose this game at home or something like that. Uh, that you know, brings everybody closer. But I don't know if it changes the bigger picture. It really depends, I guess, what happens again with the other game with Porto and Milan. But do we kind of keep these guys, Bickler, and, keep, you know, kind of like roll the dice with the makeshifts? Midfield, save Fab and Thiago for the West Ham game, like 100% as opposed to kind of rolling the dice halfway, especially with a guy like Thiago. I mean, I would, but like that's my preference is like, you know, I will always prefer to focus on the league, even over Champions League. And I know that there's a split opinion on that, right? So I think it just depends where you fall on that spectrum. Um, to me, league is always number one. And so I prefer, uh, especially when you're like sitting at, at a position of strength from a table standpoint, I always prefer to be conservative. Um, I don't think Klopp really sees it that way. So, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a, as strong of a starting 11 as we can put out there. But, yeah, I would rest them to the weekend for sure, especially because it sounds like the fab thing is not great. Like that thing worries me. It's, you know – when they say that it's more complex than we originally thought, like that makes me worried. So we'll see. So I guess the flip side of this is, as David Cosgrove is saying, if we win this game, then you have two games that mean nothing. But yeah. this is the problem. We don't fucking do rubbers. If you watched last year, you know, the, the game versus Michelin, like we don't do rubbers. Like Jota got hurt in that game. Didn't Jota and someone else both get hurt in the game against yes. Nixon? Yep, in a game that meant nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you so, still, I mean, you're not going to – I know he. we got, you know, Klopp got like a lot of flag for that, especially like a Jota injury. But you do have to play somebody. I mean, right. somebody has to go out there. Yeah, Costas was the other person who got injured in that game. But, you know, obviously, again, like he would go out. We're not going to just put like a bunch of like 20-year-olds, 18-year-olds like with it against Villa that time in a Champions League game either. I mean, these guys are not even, like, registered. So we have to play some, I guess, fringe players that occasionally, you know, are part of, like, the 11 that we have to count on as well. I guess my biggest concern, again, is midfield, where we don't have a lot of depth the way it is. I just feel like, you know, you put... If you roll the dice in this game and put Fab and Thiago out there early in the hopes that, oh, you win... And, you know, you have, like, two rubber games. I'd just be afraid that putting these guys out there too early against a team like Atletico could be pretty costly. I think we're probably going to see if Fab can play. And if, if all reports are true that he practiced fully two days in a row, he's probably going to practice again tomorrow, and then he'll play on Wednesday. And that's what Klopp does, right? If players are fit and pass fit to play, they play. So I would expect Fab to play, and I would probably expect Jordan to be with him. And then it just comes down to, is it Ox? Is it Jones? I think it's one of those two. You go with the most veteran players. 
you could play Jota in there if you wanted to. You could play Taki in there. I mean, he played in a midfield three at Salzburg for a long part of his career before he moved forward into the 10. I don't think he'd ever do that in a Champions League match against Atletico. He, he puts him on in the 88th minute to give him a reward, um, you know, the other day against Brighton. But I, I do think at some point you start to see that rotation where he's going to have to try some other guys in the midfield like he did, you know, earlier in the year with Elliott because clearly he's losing patience with Ox. I honestly believe that Ox could have been stubbed off in the 70th or 80th minute. And you'd say, yeah, that was about right because he did his 60 minutes and did his job, and that was about all he had. And he really wasn't doing anything in the second half. If he was subbed as a sub, it wouldn't have shocked me, other than the fact that Jurgen used all his subs in time to actually make an impact on a game. So what do you make of the whole Ox thing? I think the issue is having Jones and Ox over there is what kind of like derailed the whole thing, especially in terms of midfield. We just totally gave up the entire midfield. I mean, like you say, when I saw that assist, assist, I was like so happy for him because I'm like, I really feel like, I mean, when you go back and look at the year we won the title, he has a lot of goals, a lot of freaking assists, and he's involved in a lot of stuff that was good that year. So really having that ox back would be very, very helpful down the road. Are we ever going to get there or these injuries are just too much for him to overcome at this point, Bipper? Uh, I don't know if it's an injury issue for me. Like, I just don't know whether he's a tactical fit. And like, here's my thing with Ox. If you were to take that player, if you were to put Ox on paper as to what his qualities are, what his strengths are, what he does well, if you were to put that on paper, you would think he's nailed on as a wide attacker. If you were to watch a two and a half minute YouTube clip of Ox's finest moments, you would think he's a central midfielder. Like, and, and that's my issue. Like it, his qualities aren't necessarily things that you would see normally from a central midfielder. However, that's where he seems the most comfortable. And I think does the best in the system, man. I just don't think he's well-rounded enough, man. I don't think he's got the positional awareness that you need defensively. I think he has it offensively. I think he knows where to go spatially and where to do going forward, but I don't think he does enough of it defensively. And can that be taught for sure? But I think I would think we would see a, a bigger improvement at this point. And we're looking at a Jones-Ox toss-up on a lot of things with Fab back in the mix. And I think if you look at Klopp's consistency and what he tends to end up doing in these situations, is he's way more likely to let a young player that he believes in play himself out of bad form and learn stuff than he is to take somebody who's on the fringe and play them into the squad. So I think that if you look at the balance of how this thing normally goes, it kind of favors Jones in this situation. I don't know, man. It's frustrating, man, because when we came into this year, we had eight midfielders vying for three spots. And we're like, that's plenty, right? But if you look at it, you've got four of them that are right off the bat injury problems. Navi, Tiago, Ox, and obviously Harvey Elliott now. You got Milner. I, he just doesn't – like, I love Milner. He's made a steal, but he's just not what he used to be, and the legs are clearly starting to go on him, which we knew would happen, right? So that really leaves Hendo and Fab. That's two, that's two guys that you know you can count on. And let's be honest, Henderson, like, he breaks down too. We've had long spells where Henderson's been out with soft tissue issues – muscle injuries, ankle issues, like Achilles issues. So I, I, I'm at the point now where like, you know, I thought like I, I didn't expect us to do any business in January and I was honestly fine with that. And now I think we kind of have to like, um, so yeah, the midfield's a serious worry. Um, it, it just because I don't believe that any of those players, like, you know, like even tossing Minamino into the frame, we were like, Origi, all these players were players that we thought could sort of resurrect their careers and really strengthen the squad. And in like, I thought, well, even if two of them do that, we'll be in okay shape. None of them done it. None of them. Zero. So let's talk about Taki because I think, you know, that will give us a chance to, I think, like touch up on the Preston game that I didn't want to go into too much detail. I mean, we did see some good things. Obviously, whenever we change so many people in the lineup, there's a lot of disconnect and the play is not all there. Uh, but Taki, you know, gets his goal again and stuff like that. I mean, 
do we make a lot of all these performances that he's putting in those like Carabao Cup or League Cup, whatever it's called, uh, galley? And is it it's odd that you know we keep saying this stuff about Ox and we kind of I mean, David Cosgrove says, for example, that Ox needs more games. I feel like he's getting those games. He's not making... I mean, you could argue... Uh, I mean, if I'm Taki, I would argue that Ox has probably gotten 10 times the opportunities that Taki has. Yeah. With he's the, the most used team. substitute on the entire squad, by far. Yeah. yeah, with the actual team itself. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to play in the Carabao Cup and try to show yourself. But then, you know, first of all, it's hard because now you're not playing with the regular starters. So you're not kind of like showing how you can fit in and add value to it. Uh, why do you think that is that Taki, despite his performances in the league cup, like what does this guy have to do? And I'm not saying he's the answer. Uh, I, I mean, he does have a lot of like, you know, like weaknesses and stuff like that, like strength wise and all that kind of stuff. But why does he need not get a shot? And why don't most fans consider him that he needs a run of games? Whereas we kind of constantly talk about Keita needs a run of games. Ox needs a run of games. And, you know, d needs a run of games, but you rarely get that about Taki for some reason. Well, I think he's fifth, and I, I think that's what it is, and I think that was shown on, on Saturday. You know, I think – I know how silly it is that he got subbed on in the 88th minute. If you're going to make that sub, put him on in the 80th minute so he has 10 minutes to go score the winner and try to actually make an impact in that match, Jurgen. thanks. Uh, but if you're going to put him on – but I thought that was telling, right? He could have put on Divock for his hero moment, his Divock extra time – hero winner, right? But he didn't. He went to Taki in that spot. That was the first time that Taki's been the one who was the second sub to come off the bench. He deserves games. I think David's about to say it. You realize that in since he's come back from Southampton, counting the preseason, and I know it's preseason, but you can only ask a player to do what he's doing on a pitch. Counting the preseason, his goal per uh Minutes on the pitch is like 44 minutes, which is like the most in all of Europe. He's basically scoring a goal every 44 minutes he's on the pitch. It's pretty good numbers. He's played well. He's played really well in the League Cup, and he started to link up with other players, and that shows that he's getting a better understanding in training. You know, everyone forgets he got here in January, not speaking the language during covid where he couldn't even meet his own teammates and get to know who they were or hang out with them. Then they went on an, a crazy offseason with COVID. He played half a year and got loaned out to Southampton and then got hurt and came back and honestly probably thought he might get sold and not even know if he'd ever get a shot. And I think he's put his head down. The, he seems like a guy that all the players like. He seems easy to root for. And I think he deserves – a couple matches either as a starter or getting subbed on on the 60 minute with the 11, like you're saying about Ox. But to close out the Ox thing, Ox had his chance. He got his big move to a club and had a manager who believed him. And he repaid it with some beautiful performances and what looked like a trajectory on the way up. But timing happens and he got injured. And unfortunately the club had to move on based on the couple injuries he had and for him now, it's probably moving on and going to a place like West Ham or a place like Southampton. It's probably about his level at this point, I think, where he'll get the games he needs to actually restart his career. Because I don't think it's going to happen at Liverpool. We're going to buy players that are going to replace him, unfortunately. That's kind of the shit because, I mean, in terms of age, he's... I mean, I know that prime years thing is getting a bit earlier than it what it used to be, but you know, like 20, he's 28, I think, right? Like, so 28, 29, and that's kind of like prime for especially like, you know, his position. And it's kind of a shame that it's kind of like gone south a little bit. So I was really hoping when he came in that we're given opportunity. But so let's go back to what you're talking about, Gally, because you're talking about, you know, Taki coming in in January and stuff. So Bickler, you were talking about, you know, in January midfielder, we just know. And today I saw a bunch of rumors. Yesterday there were other rumors. It feels like it's January already, or it's felt like summer for a little bit with all the rumors floating around. Mind you, they were all baseless, like just like lame article rumors, no news day kind of thing. But I mean, Bickler, even if we sign somebody in January, knowing Klopp, unless like, you know, he's already in the Premier Leagues, playing in a similar system or something like that, he's just not going to play. Unless everybody's injured like they are now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
who knows, dude? Talk, Taki's a weird one for me, right? Because we talk about his, his goals per minute. But if you actually evaluate on him on performance, like this is a dangerous comparison to make. So I want people to understand that I'm not comparing him to this player. But he reminds me, he reminds me of very, very early days Mo Salah, where he would have choppy performances that weren't necessarily great, but he would score. You know what I mean? And like my question is, is he is the team scoring when he's in it because he's in it? Or is he scoring because the team? Do you know what I mean? And I don't know the answer to that because I, I like part of me thinks it's because of the squad he's in and the chances that are created and he, he gets in good positions. And, you know, we talk about where do we play him? We bought him because of position versatility, but we can't seem to find a home for him. And in my, like to me, he seems to do better centrally, which is where he traditionally played for Japan. Like he seems to do better almost in that like number nine role where he kind of dips into the midfield a little bit. Uh, so he's a weird one for me, man, because like, I don't know where he gets the opportunities, where that kind of, where that kind of stuff like figures in, in the long game for Taki. Like, I don't know. Um, but it, it's January. Like, I mean, honestly, the moves in January are going to completely come down to what Klopp feels like he has. Like, if he feels like Taki is somebody that he can roll minutes in in a rotation, then we're going to see that, right? Otherwise, I mean, I think we, we've we heard rumblings for so long about Rafinha from, from Leeds. It honestly makes a lot of sense. Like, we know we need some more depth from the attacking top three. We know that Leeds are in trouble, and they there's two things. They can play hardball and hold on to him knowing that he's their only chance of staying up. Or they can liquidate his value and think that they can absorb that and basically strengthen the squad for the long haul for leads. What they decide to do, we're going to see, right? But, I mean, that's one that does make sense to me. Basuma out of Brighton still makes sense to me. Like, with the caveat that he's fine from a criminal standpoint with all the stuff that's going on around that. Like, you know, if we're still interested in him, like, he 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 has durability. He's a true box-to-box. He's one that makes sense. So, I mean, we'll honestly see. I don't know. But, like, yeah, the midfield depth is a – like, I think depth on the on, on two levels, really, offensively from the top three in the in the midfield as well. So, but Taki, man, Taki is just a weird one for me, man, because I haven't figured out exactly – like, he. You're, you're right, he needs more minutes, but so does Ox, and, like, you've got to share them. And, and, like, let's be clear, they've had opportunities. Like, Ox has had a ton of opportunities – Ox has had starts, and his starts have been worse than the substitute appearances. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I don't know where you go from there. Like, in, in Taki's a, the, another one. Like, we talked about when Taki started, pe- like, people didn't seem to want to give him the ball, right? And then, like, I felt like he didn't have a great performance, but he scored, you know? And then, like, Nico doesn't pick his head up. And if Nico picks his head up and slots it through, that's, that's a second goal for him. So, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. I mean, I go back to what like Megan is saying, you know, he does not get his chances. You know, he's, she says like, I'd love to see Taki get a chance with two of the regular starters up front. Cause he's usually, he gets stuck with other bench players. And I think that's, you know, I don't think we get to see him as well. I mean, 87 minutes substitution. It's kind of a joke. I mean, it's kind of hard yeah. to show anything within those like three minutes. It's one thing for Divock to be, you know, in the middle or, you know, like maybe on a set piece or something like that, do something with a header or something like that. But it's kind of hard for Taki to get in the, I mean, cause he's the kind of player that's going to get into the flow of the game and the movement and stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of freaking tricky to do in the last two minutes plus, plus like extra time. So I don't want really count that. And I would really, if we really got to see what we have in him, uh, we kind of got to see him with like the regular starters more at least more minutes. I mean, if he comes in in the 60th minutes and like, you know, we have like a sampling of seeing what he can do, but here's the thing. I mean, I don't know, maybe in practice, we just don't see it. And that's why he was loaned out to Southampton in the first place last year. We just want to see him more in action in premier league, but not with us. If they wanted to profit on Taki, they could have sold him. I mean, they bought him for seven and a half million. They loaned him out because they wanted him to get minutes, and he went and did what they wanted him to do. He, When he was playing, and granted he got hurt, 
But when he was playing, he scored a goal, created two, and was something that Southampton fans were excited about watching for the rest of the season. He was linking up well with Jay Adams. Because I think to Paul's point, he plays best off the striker. That's his best position. I mean, the reason we bought him, to Cosgrove's point, was because he, you know, he made our lives miserable in two matches in the Salzburg matches, mainly because Holland was running in front of him and he was running amok. He was running the 10, Holland was the nine, and they were a well-oiled machine. So, you know, are we going to change our system to get Taki Minamino in? No, we're not. But is there room for Taki to play in some games when we would play the front four with, with Jota in the original front three? I think there would be if Jurgen got creative. And I do think Jurgen was putting him in as a little bit of an ode to the lad for working hard and for playing well, because he does this. He gives people late substitutions. You know, Jones' first appearance was late. He, he kind of runs him in, and he was warming up in the 80th minute. So maybe this was one of those situations where it took two, three minutes for the sub to happen, and he was ready to come on in 85 or whatever. So, you know, maybe give Jurgen the benefit of the doubt, and he didn't just run out of time. I know, like, I felt like when we got him, we had nobody to replace Bobby at the time and to do what he does. And we still, you know, don't know because Bobby is just, you know, as you like to say, Bickler is kind of like a unicorn, you know, like can't, we can't duplicate it like what he does. Uh, but then we got Jota, who kind of like is like the fourth person now that can kind of do something similar, something totally different than give something else to the attack. And I think that kind of like lost Taki's role altogether so it, like i say he was probably the closest thing that we had on the squad to bobby in terms of what he can do drop back to midfield press run around like crazy and things like that and create has like good vision on the field but it just never but the, going back to you know like what megan was saying that's why i would like to see him because what makes bobby special especially going forward in some ways is that chemistry he has with the other two, like the three, know where the other one's gonna be and what they're gonna do. I mean, there's that goal that we scored against uh United, for example. You look at the buildup of that play and you watch Bobby his movements, but then you know, once he gets the ball, when the ball eventually comes back to him, I think you know, he like his movements, his passing with Salah and stuff like that, that's like almost like repetition automatic. It comes so natural. I don't think we're going to ever get that with Taki if it doesn't get like the playing time. But uh, so let's go back to Rafinha real quick because there's a lot of rumors about that. I personally don't see Lee selling him because he's pretty much their only hope to kind of like keep him up. And I know what you're saying, Bickler, but it's kind of like you have a player who's pretty much the only one providing goals and scoring opportunities for the most part going forward. It's like huge gamble to sell him and you know hope that you get like two or three with that same money. Do you even see that? Uh, like in terms of addition, it seems especially right now, it seems a luxury when we're more lacking in the midfield part. What do you say, Gally? I, I think it is a luxury. I think if you can get your whole your hands on a player like Rafinha, and I do think that the interest in Rafinha has been real you know, between last summer and, and the rumors that you hear now and his agent talking, I do think it's legit. I doubt he would move. And this is the crazy part. I think he wants to come to Liverpool, but we got a, we got a world cup in November of next year. And any guy switching clubs and coming to Liverpool better know that they are a locked in member of their national team. If they think they're going to come, because if your national team manager requires you to actually uh, be playing, you're probably not going to get enough minutes at Liverpool in your first six months playing for Jurgen Klopp to guarantee a starting spot. And he's the starting right wing right now for Brazil. They'd argue he might be their most important player, attacking player, come the next World Cup, honestly, with Jesus and really Neymar aging. because, oh, But that's really their problem. Rafinha is their is their primary young talent right now. And I don't think he's going to chance giving up that spot to come here. And I, I'd actually agree with Cosgrove here. I think if you could get Phillips, um, that would be the guy in January that you should be trying hard to get because he's what you're missing because he's cover for Fab. 
And what he proved at the Euros is he has a lot more talent than just a deep-lying holding midfielder because uh, he played really well alongside Declan Rice. And I'd argue the two of them is the reason that England made it to the Euro finals uh, as much as any other two players on the pitch for England during that run. So uh, I would love to see Phillips. That would be a good sign. I don't think we're going to get any of these big-name signings in the winter window, to be honest. I'm I'm shocked you guys are so high on Phillips. He's been he's not been good this year. He's created six chances the entire Premier League year so far. Like six chances. Like I, I don't think he's like he's as me- he's had as many terrible games this season as he has decent ones. I mean, I know that whole squad is is struggling. Well, that's, he's, that's, that's he's not been good thing. this year. I know he hasn't been great, but he he showed me enough in the summer playing with, with players at or above his level that he could take it to a new level where I think he could do that at our club. Let's be honest. Leeds came out of the gun. They had a wonderful, um, they had a wonderful kind of swan song come back to the Premier League moment. And they have gone straight back down to basically championship level. And that was before the Bamford injury. I think that there's a rot at that club and they don't want to acknowledge it because they love Bielsa so much. But there is no way that guy is going to see this club stay up playing that style of football. There's just no way. And I think you're seeing it in their players. Now, that's not a good thing when you're when you're a kid like Phillips and you're a boyhood Leeds fan and you grew up through the ranks because you'd like to think that would be even more personal for you. So hopefully he can turn it around. But for me, he's got the skills and I think a, a, a player that would get only better playing um, – with the level of quality at Liverpool compared to what he's playing with at Leeds. Yeah. I have to say, I kind of like Phillips too. Um, I mean, he was great in the Euro for one, I think. And I know what you're saying, Bickler, in terms of his stats, I don't think he's been great, but the Leeds haven't been great. So it's kind of like hard to, you know, determine that, but not only that, I think for our midfield, he's the good fit where, you know, you just got to be another Hendo, another Milner. You know what I mean? Like, you're just going to be more of the workhorse. I think he can do that job. We require a midfield, especially defensively. I mean, let's face it, for the most part, this midfield is more about uh, protecting the backs so they can attack, and we let the front three do most of the damage. I mean, this year has been like a rare year with Keita and stuff like that, getting more goals and productivity out of midfield, but... Speaking yeah, of her, I, mean, I say what, you go get. I, I say you just go get Yuri Tillemans without the the silly haircut. I yeah, I would love Tillemans definitely. I mean, that would be my top pick. And honestly, price wise, you might get a better price for Tillemans compared to Phillips just because of being English factor, uh, just bumping up the price. I feel. And yeah, I would. Gally, which one are you picking out of Tillemans and Phillips? Oh, I would. I would take Tillemans over Phillips, and I would sign Bellingham over both of them. Damn, really? So I would not take Bellingham over Tillemans. Oh, I would. See, I think right, for well, this team, I go with Jordan Sancho story. agrees with you. No, I, I there's a different <laughs> story. One, one player is older. One player is older, has is more settled into who he is and what he'll be. He's also has much less upside. The other player is has enormous amounts of talent. I believe will be like a world world class player. I will take Tillemans. I don't believe that we're going to buy Yuri Tillemans because I think if they spend that much money, it's going to be on a bigger size signing than that, in my opinion. Paul, I was with you all last summer trying to sign Tillemans. That was my entire pick. But I, 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 I would I would expect them, especially spending English pounds and thinking about English dollar returns to invest the money on Bellingham if they were going to make a big I wouldn't be mad about it. I just think that like you're playing paying a premium you don't necessarily need to pay and we gen- generally don't do that. David Cosgrove says we have a homegrown issue. He'd rather have Bellingham over anyone and then Do we said, have a homegrown issue? Including my wife. Uh Whoa. we do have a homegrown issue and David Cosgrove gave it a home issue uh, if his, <laughs> if his wife watches this podcast and sees that. But Let's go back to the trivia because I didn't have enough fun the first time around. Um, so our trivia today was, uh, and 
these gentlemen right here could not come up with the guesses. So hopefully some of the listeners will have more guesses. The first shirt sponsorship for Liverpool, which in fact was the first actually in England. When was it and who was it? And we'll go with that. Uh, you guys have any updated guests? Because I know you guys were all over the Hitachi one, but that could just be a... You know, uh, this is the same David Cosgrove that's about to take swap the wife with Bellingham. So I don't know if you guys want to jump on that boat. I said, I said eighty two or eighty three, something like that. But I think it might be earlier. And yeah, you know, I'm gonna roll. David Cosgrove has been a lot closer to this or more on this, and he might have Google still in his hands, and he's still <laughs> sticking with his answer. So I'm gonna say Hitachi and 1980. You jumping on this camo man with Hitachi as you stack up the beers? I'm just here for happy hour. I don't do trivia. <laughs> well, you know what? Hitachi was the answer, actually. I did stumble upon this today. Son of a bitch. For a trivia. And 1979 was the year. Um, and Umbro actually was our manufacturer at the time. And yes, Hitachi was the first one. Yet another wonderful version of our trivia. Right, guys? All right. Okay, so let's get some score predictions and look ahead to the next few games here. We kind of like touched up on the Atletico Madrid game in terms of lineups. I don't think we kind of like have a consensus on who we want out there. But what do you expect out of this game, Galley, on Wednesday? Uh, I, I expect us to show up, um, hopefully be better defensively sound. Um, I do expect Matip to rejoin Virgil at the back. And I'll assume it'll be Robo and Trent. Um, I'm going to sound like a broken record. There's something off with Andy Robertson. He's still the best left back in the world. But, you know, you can be the left best anything on paper, but you cannot be playing like it. And right now he just looks like a guy who doesn't need to play three more games in a week before he goes on international duty to play three games in a week. Yeah. Um, and I just think the man's gassed. I think that uh, he needs a break. So I'd like to see Shmikas start. I don't think Costas will, uh, but I'd like to see that. And then we've talked about the midfield. I don't know who gets dropped, but I do expect Jota to start against Atletico Madrid the way he played against them in the first matchup. Um, it could be a day to give Mane uh, another rest from the start, or maybe you give Bobby a rest, um, knowing that Mane is going to play a lot in the next international window as well. You know, I, I hate when these international windows come because I worry more about uh, the rest we have to give guys because their national teams could give a shit about well-being. I, normally I do, but I'm just hoping that we get lucky this international break with no injuries and we get some of these midfielders back because it kind of, you know, like like both hamstrings, I'm hoping by the time the international break is back. We don't know the extent of Keita, but hopefully those guys will be back by then. And, I mean, obviously it's a home game. Atletico Madrid gives us a lot to get that crowd going, which I have to say was very, very weak against Brighton. And I don't know if that was a TV effect, but overall in the stadium, I just felt like the team did not get any push from the stands in that game. And I know sometimes you got to give something to the fans to build up on, then they build you up and stuff. But sometimes it just has to come from the stands to get that team going. And I felt like we just did not – it wasn't like a regular atmosphere – and I know we were getting outplayed, but that's kind of like when you need the fans. I don't think that'll be an issue. It's a European night. It's Atletico Madrid. A lot to hate on the other side that will keep the fans, I think, engaged regardless of what's going on. What do you expect, Beckler? I expect the crowd to be, like, in top form. I mean, it's it's a European night at Anfield. I mean, that's that's what we're known for. And, yeah, I agree with you. Brighton was disappointing, man. It was quiet. It was really quiet. Mm -hmm. um, I agree with I agree with Galley for the most part. I think it's going to be the the standard back four in terms of like I think it'll be Matip, Trent, uh, Verge, and I'll go as far as to say that Robertson is not the best left back in the world right now. Like I think he's played himself out of that that speak for the last month month and a half. I don't know what's going on with him. 
the the inability to hold a high line now. I, I'm not sure what, whether he's legged or not. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think you can't in good conscience look at him and Ben Chilwell and tell me that he's better than Ben Chilwell right now on form. So, I mean, not to say that he can't get back there. I think he can. Um, but I have some real concerns over what's going on with Robbo. Um, I think, you know, if Thiago and Fab are fit, Fab are fit, they'll, they'll be in there. They've got to be. I mean, it's got to be versus, uh, versus a team like the Atletico, you have to have your bangers in there. So I expect to see that. Um, front three will be interesting, right? I mean, it, it's always sort of a coin flip in terms of what we do tactically, whether you're going to see Jota Firmino. Um, I expect to see Firmino in this one just because the amount of dirty work involved in playing a team like the Atletico. But, uh, and I think Jota, like to me, Jota's more effective coming off the bench. Like he's the last player I want to see coming off the bench, uh, unless you have the luxury of sitting somebody like Sadio and bringing him on. So, um, that which was fucking hilarious for United. I thought that was so funny. Uh, but anyway. So, let's touch upon the West Ham game as well, who are having a great season. And uh, David Cosgrove says, smells like an Origi game, but yeah, let's not do that. I mean, I guess in some ways, but I feel like a draw out of this game would seal the deal as well. So, let's just not go too lax on this lineup and kind of like get this back to... You know, nobody beats us at home kind of deal and a guaranteed three-point kind of thing for any game at home. But um, so West Ham, obviously what happens on Wednesday's lineup is probably going to play a part in what happens on Saturday. That's why I would rather save like Thiago and stuff actually for the West Ham game. But um, score prediction for that game, what do you expect out of that West Ham game in terms of performance and score, Galley? West Ham's a solid outfit. I'm, you know, playing West Ham at West Ham is, is, is that game's on the road, right? The game's yes. at the London Stadium at the bowl of misery, as they like to call it. Um, the, uh, you know, they don't have a great home crowd. Honestly, they don't have a great home field advantage because the stadium stinks. They don't exactly love it. You know, that game is Sunday late. So I could see that you know, giving extra time for rest. Uh, and West Ham does have to play Thursday in Europe. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they rotate. They have not, uh, but they have to be worried about guys getting fatigued, but maybe not because they only have like two internationals on their entire squad. Um, but I'll say, th I'm going to say two to one good guys, but I will be honest. I don't feel great about it. It always makes me nervous playing Antonio. He's the type of striker that just runs ruckus on our people. Yeah, it would be interesting to see who the center back lining is going to be for that game. I mean, do we use Konata's size and speed against a player like Antonio? I mean, Konata did not have his best game this weekend, but I know the problem with our defensive line is obviously when the midfield is not up to par and it's our regular, you know, the, the pressure they put, if it's not there, the way we play, I don't think it doesn't matter if you had four Van Dykes back there. There's going to be a lot of danger coming your way when the midfield does not apply pressure to the ball with that high line. So uh, it's kind of like hard to judge him. I know at times he's a bit more hesitant, but I, like Bickler says, I think Robo is probably the one that is the biggest culprit when it comes to messing up that back line. And I mean, Van Dyke might have lost his voice over the last few games yelling towards Robo's side over there. But, Bickler, what do you expect out of the West Ham game? I don't know, man. I, I, if I had to do a score prediction, I'd say 2-1 us. But I hate, I hate that matchup in terms of the fact that, like, after a physical game with Atletico, like, we need a team with a softer midfield. Like, I don't want to go against Declan Rice and Suchek. That's a physical midfield. I mean – they're bangers. Suchex is a fucking hoss. He's like a big dude. Like and he's and he's yeah, good. Yeah. He is he's a really, really good pickup for them. And then you know, you got Antonio. It's just, dude, like you don't you don't want to mess with four nulls. Like Bo Bowen creates chances. Cresswell creates a ton of Cresswell is like a baby robo. Like he goes, he goes up and down that channel, pumps in balls from the left side. Cresswell's a problem. So, like, yeah, I don't I don't love 
I don't love the fact that they're the the game after Atletico. It's going to be a tough matchup. Um, but yeah, I mean, I it, it, and you know, it's like to your point about the back line. I almost feel like Canate's a better a, a better play in this matchups because they are they are dangerous from set pieces and they have people whether it's Cresswell or Lanzini who can pump balls in from from dangerous spots on set pieces. Yeah, it's it's not a great matchup for us. That is going to be a, a tough, tough game no matter what. Yeah, I, I'm worried about that one as well. It's a tough away game after a tough home game. I think it does help that they play Thursday. I mean, despite rotating some, then I can rotate, be able to rotate everybody. So I think we do have a slight edge there, and we are home. Uh, I don't know if they're home or away for their uh, European game, but... Uh, like I said, they're not going to be able to rotate as much either. So I just hope next Monday when we sit over here, we're talking about I, honestly, like the Champions League game, I will be content with a draw. I was in the away game. A, a win, like we were talking earlier, would seal the deal. But I think the draw comes pretty darn close to doing that as well, knowing we're going to play Porto at home still. And then we just go to, you know, I as well as the Milan away game. Any parting thoughts, gentlemen? Camo man, do you have anything there? I know your head is going to be huge with our video editor again this week, but uh, any parting thoughts? Why? Why? I, uh, no, I'm just I'm, – I'm clocking out. I'm just here for – You're just here for happy hour. Yes, we've established. I, 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 I literally <laughs> just work here, okay? I don't know. First of all, yeah. if, there's, if there's any fashion things coming out of today's podcast, it is my badass Liverpool shirt. It is Hell yeah. Paul's freaking crooked That's hat. Dope. All right. It is yeah. definitely straight out of Liverpool in, you know, straight up NWA lettering on my shirt here. That is by far the uh, apparel of the evening if we're going to be voting on That is true. Today. I am super envious of that shirt, 100%. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Can we all just admit that it's nice to not be the laughing stock of the Premier League? Like, there were years where, like, You'd have to like wake up after a bad weekend and realize you'd read about your club. Could you imagine being a Spurs fan right now and uh, having to wake up thinking that not only are you getting your, not only is your 11th choice to replace the worst hire ever that was ever appointed, like they took a guy they loved, appointed him with Satan, then interviewed everyone in the world, got turned down by everyone hired someone and fired him 10 games in and now we're about to hire a maniacal Conte who will be fired by Christmas when he finds out he's not getting anybody in January. It is going. And then at the same time, Arsenal's reeled off like six straight wins. Exactly. (laughs) And, and, And as Cosgrove mentions though, to make everything perfect, you get to watch a capitulation like Benitez stumbling off the pitch today for Everton. I don't even know that he knew the guy's names he was subbing on in the second half. <laughs> he was just confused. They gave up six goals in 22 minutes of running play between the end of the Watford game and the start of today's match. That is that is a Benitez masterclass right there. Oh, wait. I, I don't know what's more impressive, the 22-minute span or the four versus Watford. Yeah. I'll be honest, uh, this year has been kind of weird where I don't know. I mean, we've had a good season overall. I mean, we're only like three, you know, we're second three points off the top. And honestly, if you look at the schedule and the like the table, the standings, we have played, you know, pretty much everybody on top so far. So fixture wise, I think things look good. But I do agree that I have enjoyed so much of like opponent misery over the season, just watching United collapse and then almost them not being able to celebrate beating Spurs 3-0 away because they know that could mean Ole might stay while, you know, Spurs are realizing Nuno can only coach if there are 10 Portuguese guys on the field. It, It just has been like a great comedy. And then, yeah, you sprinkle a bit of Everton misery on top and it's, has been delicious <laughs> to watch and enjoy. Uh, by the way, the shirt is great uh, compared to the crappy shirts that are being pushed on the Liverpool US group for 35 bucks. So you should be able to get some big bucks for that one, I would think. I got Christmas ornaments coming. This year. 
It's going to be monogrammed, monogrammed with your favorite player's name spelt incorrectly. You know what would go great on an ornament, by the way, is this. The rankings... Oh, I would love to see this. On, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure StreamYard was supposed to cut us off right at the hour mark from this point forward. Oh, oh, God, well, gentlemen, and thank you all for those commenting, listening, and please, if you have not done so already, join our Discord channel uh, for the fan chat uh, throughout the games, and we talk a lot about smack about other teams during the week as well. It's a good old time, and uh, gentlemen. Hopefully, we'll meet again same time next Monday with Kelly leading the Fantasy League and our boys having had two wins. Thank you, everybody, and see you guys next week.